Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB. Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. Before we get started, I'd love to give you our call-in number. If you're listening to the show and you would like to call in and uh, comment or chat with our guest, we'd love to hear from you. Um, You can reach us at 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. And um, I also wanted to mention that um, we're... We're on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And my assistant said to me, I have to mention this afternoon um, that iTunes accepts ratings for um, our podcast. And uh, we'd love for you to give us a rating if you listen to one of the podcasts and you like what you hear. So um, be sure to do that. And all things Women to Watch related can be found at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. Um, so you're in for a really wonderful show this afternoon. Um, I'm actually going to be joined by three women uh, today. And at the top of the show, we have Wendy Sachs. And Wendy is an Emmy Award-winning network television producer. She's a former Capitol Hill press secretary and the author of uh, her latest book, Fearless and Free. And um, waiting in the wings after we chat with Wendy is Heather Willems and Nora Herding, who are the co-founders of ImageThink. So uh, first I'd like to welcome Wendy to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to hear from you. Are, are you calling in from New Jersey? I am. Are I'm you? calling in from my house in New Jersey. Okay. Sorry I couldn't make it to your studio today. I, I really wanted to. I, I wish you could have, but maybe, maybe another time. Yes, for sure. So, uh, Wendy, I, you know, um, I love the premise behind your book, and um, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Um, we, don't, we don't have a whole lot of time, but I guess my very first question would be, um, for you to share with the listeners what it was that kind of precipitated your desire to write this book. Sure. Well, you know, I think everything has an origin story. And for so many of us, we write about what we know. And then in my case, I write about what I need to know. And, you know, it all started with me losing my job. Um, I was out of a job and sort of started panicking. I was over 40 years old and I work in media and I worked in publishing and I worked um, in journalism. And those, those industries you know, have been disrupted, completely disrupted over the past five years, not 10 years. 
And I started hustling around and interviewing at, you know, what I call these bright and shiny media startups in New York City. Right. And I was having a really hard time. I was being interviewed by, you know, the bearded millennials who were, you know, had graduated from college in 2009. And I was doing the math at the time and it made them 27 years old. <laughs> and I was, you know, 41 and not dead yet and with lots of great experience <laughs> behind me. But I couldn't figure out how to sell my story to them. It was as if I had done all of what I thought were these great things you mentioned in that intro. I had worked on the Hill. You know, to me, that was like the Google of the Gen X generation that had opened doors for so many of us. Yes. But, it, you know, at this one interview that I went to, he's like, he looked at that Capitol Hill experience and he sort of scoffed and he said, you know, around here, we have really good relationships with the media. We're not hanging up on reporters. <laughs> and it was like this so strange moment for me. And I was like, I'm not a character in the House of Cards or in Veep. I'm not hanging up on anyone. I never did that. I was begging people to cover my congressman. Right. Um, um, so I just realized there was not – it wasn't just a cultural disconnect. It was that the jobs have really changed and how you describe yourself has changed. And with all of that pivoting that's happening right now, I wanted to figure out, you know, what are the lessons that we can learn. And I turned to Silicon Valley, who I believe is, you know, like our cultural crush these days. You know, everything that comes out of Silicon Valley is how we operate and how we think and how we date and how we get our news and how we work and all these things. So I looked for some themes coming out of Silicon Valley, like that engineering serendipity and growing confidence and the power of networking and all these different things. And that really became the essence of, of the book, Fearless and Free. Well, I, I love the story. And of course, I love the word pivot because, you know, I'm, I'm a prime example of kind of, you know, it's never too late to, um, to pivot and do something new in your career, no matter how old you are. Um, tell me what you mean. A lot of the, um, the background that I was reading about you, you talk about smart storytelling. Tell me what right. that means to you. What does that mean, smart storytelling? Well, I think today we are all our own brands, and we have to be able to share and sell our stories. Who are we? What is our narrative? What do we do well? What do what we want people to know about us? What defines us? You know, I mean, that's a whole shift, I think. And also, frankly, a, a tough one for a lot of women because we have been raised in a culture of not being told we should be bragging, you know, not being mm. told we should be out there. A lot of us, you know, we're told to sort of keep our heads down and work hard and you'll see results. But guess what? That's just not what happens. You know, it's those guys who are raising their hands and speaking up for themselves and that telling people what it is they do well. They're the ones who are getting ahead. They're the ones who are getting promoted and getting the raises. And that whole culture of just do a good job, but kind of keep it under the radar. Don't be loud. Don't be bossy. Don't be too much of anything, you know, is, is really what can hold women back. And, and I've been talking to, you know, women across the country, you know, thousands of women about all of these issues. And it's amazing the themes that you hear over and over again of people not knowing how to really share their story. Back to circling back to your question is what is storytelling? It's, it's p putting a picture out there of how you want to be perceived in the world. And that now appears on social media. That's on your LinkedIn profile. And not everyone needs to have their own personal website. But you are out there on social, even on Facebook, just how you project the articles that you post, your comments on other people's articles. That's all part of your story. That's right. That's right. And I would say it's even more important to, you know, be kind of projecting 
who you really are, you know, what is your authentic story as opposed to um, kind of creating a fictional profile, which, um, you know, sometimes is is the case. Um, when you, you've been invited to speak at, at many places, conferences and um, companies around the country, tell me what, what message it is that you like to leave. And, I, and I'm guessing this is an audience of men and women. Um, but it what's is, the main it's message? Usually, you know, it, it depends. We'll have some guys in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with this book, although it's interesting because the, the men who have read this book, and there are men who have even commented on, on Amazon about the book, they love the book because there are so many themes that are so gender neutral, which is like that whole creating your own magic, engineering serendipity, which is, is a big theme in Silicon Valley, but also in creative agencies. Um, you know, the, the thing that really resonates the most, I think, it's that growing confidence because everything, the root of all of this to making any sort of change and taking any action and taking any risk is really creating confidence. And what does that look like? And how can you get there? And how can you take action? Um, and of course, the, the, all the studies really pointed that the fastest way to grow confidence is to take risks. And then the other piece of that, the cousin, I think, to confidence in a funny way is embracing failure. So you're creating confidence, and yet at the same time you're embracing failure. And I really say that I would have never written this book unless I had failed as many times as I have (laughs) because, you know, that really sort of led me to this journey. I've done a lot of different interesting things in my career, and I've also failed a whole bunch of times. I've even been fired, you know. And so all of those experiences – I do believe create more grit and resilience and help grow your confidence. And, you know, you feel like you have nothing to lose and you just, you need to take action. There's nothing like panic that causes you to take action. Right. (laughs) It's inevitable, right? The the challenges and the change are inevitable. It's part of life. So I I commend you for speaking so openly um, about your own story and and not hiding the fact that, you know, you lost a job. I think that's really beneficial to to others. So, you know, I wish you continued success, Wendy. Just leave us with um, the best place to pick up your book and where people can contact you if they would like to bring you in, uh, work with you, have you come and speak. Sure. Um, well, you should be able to find my book, which is called Fearless and Free, How Smart Women Pivot and Relaunch Their Careers. It's available in all the bookstores. It's also available online on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Um, you can find me at wendysacks.com, and feel free to email me, wendysacks at gmail.com. I'm really easy to find. Okay. And thank you so much, Susan, for oh. having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was great to, to talk to you directly, Wendy. And, um, I, again, I wish you continued success. And please stay in touch with the show. We def- I definitely will. Okay. <laughs> thank take you. Care. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, so now I'd like to uh, bring on our, our very special guests this afternoon who are, um, I'm, I'm not sure where they're joining us from. I'm going to ask them. But uh, Heather Willems and Nora Herding are the co-founders of Image Think. Uh, welcome to the show, ladies. Hello. Thank you for having us. Hello, hello. So we have two of you, so we'll have to kind of, you know, identify who's who. Um Just a a quick intro, Heather, um, again, Heather Willems uh, was born and raised in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and Nora is from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and um, I thought we might just start with a a real brief intro from both of you to talk about just a few minutes about each of your backgrounds and and your upbringing. Um, Sure. This is is Heather. Okay. And to answer your question a little bit earlier, we're 
calling in from our office um, here in Brooklyn, New York. Okay, in today. Brooklyn. So you're probably having the yeah. same the same kind of cloudy weather that we're having here in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's where we're at today. Um, so you're curious about our up, or at least my upbringing and um, family dynamic, I guess. Um, like like you said, I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, I have in my nuclear family, you know, I had a mom and dad, my brother and sister, and um, a dog. We lived out in the in the woods and in, in uh, just outside of Green Bay. So it was a very small town community environment. And one thing that I think is um, unique to our family, especially where we grew up, is that our parents just always encouraged us to to follow our dreams and our passions and really um, see where it would take us. They always, you know, we grew up with the mentality of if you worked hard, you were able to achieve um, anything. Um, they didn't really tell us how rough it would be going along, but um, today <laughs> both, uh, my, both my, uh, my brother, my sister, and myself were all entrepreneurs in some capacity. So um, I, I attribute that to the, the guidance that, our, that my parents gave us growing up. And how about you, Nora? Hi, yeah, um, Nora, nice to meet with you. Um, uh, it's kind of hard to answer a question on where I'm from. I, I moved about nine times before I was 12. Wow. Uh, wow. Albuquerque was probably is the you know the best answer. I, I, I was there for 10 years. Um, like Heather, I think Heather and I, you know, became friends because we had mm -hmm. a lot of background in common. My family is from the Midwest um, as well, and um, you know, very working class. I was the first person to go to four-year college on either of my parents' sides of the family. Um, also, have two younger sisters, and and was you know told that I was bossy, <laughs> and uh, you know was apparently always like devising like neighborhood like theater productions or like dance performances or like I would just co apparently come up with all of these ideas and then get everybody else um, you know sort of involved. So that's. Um, yeah, that's that's my background. What what was the reason for for the moving? Uh, my father my father worked in retail. Uh huh. And um, you know, every time you would uh, you would sort of get promoted, you'd get a a new location, and that meant a new city or or a new town. So we were um we were always. You're always moving. Okay. Yeah. That's. A, I mean, that's a lot for you know uh, a lot of moves at before the age of twelve. Did, would you say that that kind of um, helped to shape a little bit of your ability to? Um, gosh, you know, we were talking about pivot with Wendy at the top of the show, but um, that ability to kind of um, adapt to, to new surroundings and and change. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we haven't really talked about uh, what ImageSync does or, or what we do for clients, but I was actually just mentioning to um, somebody on our team that, uh, you know, what we do is we go into other business environments, oftentimes like very, you know, C-suite um, meetings, and we are always the person that's the outsider. You know, we'll, we'll be traveling to a different city or a different country to help support these meetings, and, and we'll go in you know, being the only person in the room that's sort of not, you know, not from that organization, um, not privy, you know, to that information. And that's 
something that we do, and it's kind of a skill too to be on the outside and kind of be able to listen, reflect back, and, and draw all those um, those ideas out for people. So I see a direct parallel. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I thought we'd go, you know, start right off the bat too with with this quote, um, and I'm not sure whether it was you, Nora, or Heather that that said this. Um, Never underestimate the power of writing down a good idea anywhere. Um, because obviously that that's the precipitous of the business and, and the company, and, and it's a great story. So um, can you talk about that, uh, you know, the idea writing on the back of a napkin and where you were and how that came about? Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I know, Susan, we – this is Heather, and you and I spoke earlier, so I'm wondering, we spoke a couple months ago, so I'm wondering if that was something that I said in our conversation um, in regards to kind of where the idea of um, image thinking kind of was born. Right. Um, my background, actually both, like, Nora and I have so many things in common, so I was like, oh, me too, like, well, we have a lot of things in common, but we one thing is we both have backgrounds as fine artists and as educators. Um, myself, particularly, what we were finishing up graduate school, and um, I had a teaching job, but to make ends meet, I was also waitressing. Um, one thing that I've noticed about myself is that I always like to exercise my creativity in one form or another, and that often comes about in moments of boredom. So while I was waitressing um, at this restaurant, I would jot down people's conversations um, on napkins. Now, eventually, I amassed about 100-plus of these napkins with all of these stories on them. And I thought with my, you know, my artist cap on, like, oh, th there must be something here. So I took those, those ideas back to the studio and started um, painting them into murals so they kind of became visual stories um, of, you know, the conversations that emerged from this particular uh, restaurant. And long story short, ended up bringing that work or that, that concept and idea of visualizing stories into a consulting firm um, where I learned a lot more about collaboration and facilitation. And um, a couple of years later, we launched ImageSync. Okay, that's that's so interesting to me that you know you were writing these stories unbeknownst to to the people in the restaurant, I guess, and keeping names out of it, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, yeah. the, it, it, I did turn it into an an art exhibition that was entitled "Morally Ambiguous," uh, <laughs> so, but um, I did keep out all of the names. Yeah, kind of like you know, listening listening over someone's shoulder. Um, you can always, you know, pick up some interesting things. Um, so let me ask you both this. You know, launching a, a, a company is really taking a big risk. And, and what you do and, and what you've come up with is, is, is novel and unique. I, I was wondering if you were both kind of all in from the get-go or was one of you a little bit more hesitant and the other had to say, come on, we can do this and, and it's a great <laughs> idea. I'll go ahead and admit that I was the one who was hesitant, and I'll let Nora tell the story. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Heather, Heather didn't want to go into business with her best friend, so. <laughs> well, that can be tricky. That can always be tricky. Yeah. yeah. 
But as far well, as the, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say I knew that it would change the dynamic of our relationship by being by bringing business into it. Um, yes, which yeah. it did. Um, but I think that you know the two of us have a very unique uh, a very unique relationship in that um, and that we work very hard on it. So I think it it's grown and strengthened in a way that I've never seen any other um, relationship in my life. I'm so. Uh, well, you you know, yeah. it's, am I right that it's seven years in for the company? Eight. Is it eight yeah. now? Years, yeah. 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 We and we've been friends for since 1998. Yeah, almost 20 years. Uh, but from what I understand, pardon? <laughs> huh? I was going to say, from what I understand, it was revenue generating fairly quickly. Well, it it, it generated some revenue quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't it wasn't necessarily profitable immediately, okay. you know. Well, um, technically it was profitable immediately because our investment was only $1,000 that we put into the business. That's true. I guess in that case it yeah. was. Yeah, we, we each wrote checks for $500 and opened a joint bank account. Yes. Okay, well, that's not a huge yeah. investment, right? That's um That's reasonable. Yeah. Well, financially, sure, mm. but, you know, there's there's all the investment time. Right. Um, but what, what really helped us is we were we were working as um, consultants um, for a for a big um, IT consulting company, and when we went into business, um, that's where actually Heather and I really learned the the practice of graphic recording. We notified them um, because it was just a tool there that they used. Um, Real as entities. Yeah, not not they weren't very strategic about it as a as a tool, mm-hmm. and they they were really supportive. And they said, well, you know, we think that's great. And so it was 2009, which is a hard time to plant a seed, you know, for a business at the time. But we were able to uh, to continue doing some work with them while we grew. Okay. And you know, I really I want to say that because I know that there's people you have listeners. Yeah you know, that our entrepreneurs are starting out and it's not, you know, it's not easy. And I think really you can't expect the the first year or the second year to be able, you know, to be comfortable. And so that ha- you have to um, substitute somehow. And so for us, you know, we didn't have investors and we only invested a thousand dollars, but we were able to sort of, um, have another job, right? And, and some entrepreneurs have to, to take two jobs and, and their business is, is one job and that's it, not paying and they have another one that does. That's right. Until you can transition mm-hmm. or, you know, or you, or you go another route and you get funding and you, and you cover that gap mm-hmm. that way. Right. Um, you know, for us, it was, it was really fortuitous um, transition. Yeah. There was early on, we used the analogy of, um, of surfing, uh, at some point, we we really did. We would we were on our surfboards and paddled out into the middle of the ocean. We didn't really know where we were going, but we fought really hard to get there. And then, as the waves started to come in, we would say, "We, you know, it was just the the practice of being, yes, I can do that, and I can do this other thing." So we really started to develop as we were um, going along. And the, you know, when that wave, when that big wave did hit. Um, we were able to ride it out, and I think that we're still riding it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that keeps um, it exciting, right? 
Yeah, but it was not without its, its broken noses, I'll say that. Yeah. Well, th- this might be an obvious question, but did the two of you sit down at the very beginning and, and draw your own uh, image, think, I'll say? So did we did we draw out our own like business plan? Is that what you're asking? Right. In other words, you know what we should we should kind of describe for the listeners what what ImageThink is and and what you do for other companies and organizations. But I just was wondering if it, before you you know started to work with other clients um, that you drew your own, or is it a is it a, a new drawing for every concept or every new um, change within a company or a new strategy? Yeah, I think, like, the analogy is, like, you should do it on a whiteboard so that you can modify it, you know? Right. Um, Because things are always changing. And, uh, you know, and we work, you know, we work for incredibly large companies, very innovative companies. And, you know, frequently they they don't have a five- or ten-year plan. Because they, they know right now that the pace of technology in the world is so volatile that, you know, that they, whatever plan you have, you're, you're going to have to be flexible about. That's right. Um, yeah. And, you know, new opportunities might present itself. Um, so it's, it's a good exercise to have that, that long-term vision mm-hmm. um, as long as you're willing to, you know, to amend it. Um, and then to answer your question about what we do at ImageThink, we help, uh, we help other people, other companies draw their big ideas. So the, often what that looks like is um, a company will be tasked with some kind of decision-making, you know, whether it's a full strategic plan or a session we had last week, which was a, a, a major pharmaceutical company trying to think of what is the world going to look like in 2025 and how are we going to be ready to, to be prepared for it. So you have all these smart people in the room. They're all talking at once. Um, and so we're there to help clarify and give meaning and structure that conversation and illuminate the the big ideas that come out of it by doing three things. So we're listening to everyone as they're talking. And and just like Heather's example of what she did at the bar, she's eavesdropping. The first skill is really actively listening. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, we'll we'll translate that in words and pictures so it's documented. So as people are talking, all of their ideas are taking shape, literally – um, being visualized. So at the end, they have a picture and a record of the discussion and a clear path cutting from, from that idea into action. Okay. And so when you um, when you bring on a new client, and, and you, you have worked with some very uh, big companies, AOL, Google, TEDx, um, the, these are very large companies that have a lot of different departments. And um, – do you go in and work with one particular department um, and then kind of branch out into other areas of the organization? Um, we, what happens oftentimes is we'll, we'll come into some of these um, strategy sessions, like Nora mentioned, you know, you know planning, planning for the future. And oftentimes the people that are in the room are, are a lot of those decision makers. We work a lot with the, um, the, the C-suite folks okay. um, that are really, you know, at the head of those, um, those big ideas and, and making a lot of the big decisions. Mm-hmm. So, 
from there, you know, we're able to, I think that's been one of the gifts um, of what we do is like once you see it in action, um, that's really where the, you, you see that the, the power of this visual communication come to life once you see it in action. So from there, um, typically we'll start, you know, working within the different uh, branches of the organization. But the, the work afterwards will get socialized. So we were just, um, I was in a meeting with some folks from IBM that we'd done work with the, the year before, and the guy said, oh, yeah, well, did you know I, I shared these visuals from last year's strategy session with like a thousand of my employees you know it went out to everybody we needed to bring them in really quickly so where the company's going like what the vision is um and i had another person say oh well, i actually still have the boards the physical yeah. um drawings in my office and i will walk people new people when they come into the organization through them because it is such a succinct way for them to understand kind of like what our plan is and, and where we're going so even though you know it'll it'll trickle down, and that's what's really exciting and helpful to our clients is that it gets shared and it becomes something that's easy for them to talk to and share um, with larger parts of their organization. And and then of course, as you said, it's important to to, to revisit it. So you know when you do these sessions, I've watched mm -hmm. a couple of the videos. Mm -hmm. You know you're in a room and you have the giant whiteboard and and everyone is there and you're kind of drawing out the idea. Then does it become um, a digital piece and stored within, you know, folders, I'll say, um, within these departments? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, some of our work is born digitally, so sometimes we'll create it directly um, from the computer. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, that you're right, like we have these um, large boards at the front of the room so everybody can see and can align around a common idea. Um, at the end of the session, we'll photograph all of those, digitize them, and they're used in a variety of ways. A variety of ways, like if it's something that is public-facing, of course, just like the methods that you're using, you know, with Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, um, you know, YouTube, um, they'll share them out that way. If it's something that's internal that they just want to sh share with their, their team and nowhere else, you know, there's a variety of different ways they can do that, whether it's a newsletter or, you know, on Yammer or, or Slack or something like that. Yeah, there's so many different uh, so, so many different social media outlets. Um, listen, yeah. we're, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. When we come back, I want to talk about um, any, any moment of doubt um, that you may have had uh, when building the company. We'll be right back. This is Kristen Hillsley, financial advisor of the Foley Hillsley Group, with a big announcement. Last fall, I hosted a women's lifestyle conference to help the women who do it all take control of their finances. Now I'm excited to announce a new partnership with Women to Watch Media to help show women how to own their financial future. We'll have newsletter articles, blog posts, announcements of live events, and a lot more, all available at womentowatch.net and our own website. FoleyHillsleyGroup.com. I'm thrilled about this new partnership, and I look forward to being your resource for all things financial. Stay tuned to learn more or visit our website at FoleyHillsleyGroup.com. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird & Company, member SIPC. 
Log on to FollyHillsleyGroup.com to learn more. That's F-O-L-E-Y-H-I-L-L-S-L-E-Y Group.com. Or call 610-238-6636. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. I'm pleased to announce the opening of the region's newest, most innovative gynecology practice in the Philadelphia area, Montgomery Gynecology. Led by Dr. Hima Janogada in a welcoming boutique-style setting, she and her team are committed to providing the highest standard of cutting-edge care without losing the personal touch that is so very important in today's world. With a particular interest in minimally invasive surgical options, Dr. Hema completed advanced training in robotic surgery and is one of only two surgeons in Montgomery County who performs this highly specialized single-site robotic surgery. For more information on the opening of this exciting new practice in the convenient Plymouth Meeting location, go to www.montgomerygyn.com or call 215-444-444. 3411. That's MontgomeryGYN.com or call 215-444-3411 to make an appointment today. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm talking this afternoon with Heather Willems and Nora Herding, the co-founders of Image Think. And uh, I wanted to know if you could share, I, I think entrepreneurs always have ups and downs and highs and lows, uh, right? There's, there's never a, a smooth sailing or smooth surfing, I'll say, as you talked about the top, uh, the beginning of the show. Um, but if you could tell me about a moment where, you know, you had some doubt whether um, people were going to be receptive and open to what you wanted to bring to their um, organizations. And, and if you did, how did you move through that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we, one thing that I think is unique, well, unique about uh, the two of us is, is that we recognize when, we recognize when we don't know what we don't know. Um, so I think early on, and even today, we bring together groups, um, you know, that helps to support us through mentorship. And early on, um, we'd reached out to somebody, I believe it was about marketing, but she mm-hmm. was she started, uh, she was our marketing mentor, um, and at a certain point, we were sitting in a coffee shop, so we didn't have an office yet, 
and um, she had she had been struggling in her own business, and she gave us the advice that we should stop what we're doing and go get jobs at Starbucks. Go get so jobs at to, oh. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't remember. I don't know about the Starbucks part, but like she, she, you know, she was like a lot of people in in 2009, 2010. You know, she found herself laid off, and so she had started her own marketing consulting group and or you know and at a certain point she said to us you know it's okay if you if you want to like get a job like you might have to do that it's all right like you might want to think about that and then like proceeded to tell us like that's what she was about to do was like she she was leaving to take a full-time job and um and it, I guess at that moment it was really telling because, like, she had doubts in us. But at that moment, Heather and I were like, no way. You know, <laughs> I think we could just, we could just kind of clearly see that it, her advice was coming really from her own, where she was personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's always important to remember is, like, it's great to go out and talk to other people and get advice. You just have to really remember that they're people, too. Right. And think about the context in which you're getting that advice, you know. Yeah. No, that's a great, great um, piece of advice because I think we talk about mentors a lot on the show, and it is very important to uh, never stop learning and, and always reach out. But you're so right about it doesn't mean you have to take everything someone shares with you, every bit of advice, um, and run with it if it doesn't feel right to right. you. Mm-hmm. I think one of the – the things that I like to remember when working with mentors or when mentoring other people is that we're, they're there and, and, and I, you know, we're there to share our own experiences and we've all had different experiences, but once those, those ideas and those experiences are shared, it's up to the individual to make the decision to move forward. That's right. That's right. Um, can you can you share with me you know the the philosophy the two of you have for working together you know it, it does one handle one area because they're best at that and and the other another area or do you work in tandem well just like the white this is Nori here like the whiteboard analogy I gave you is very much applies so um, I could say yes to all of those questions at a certain point you know um, we worked in tandem and things got, we got bigger and we realized um, we were driving our, our employees crazy because they had two bosses all the time. <laughs> That's um, not good. <laughs> that they wanted to make happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so we divided things up and, and then, you know, there's times where it makes sense to, to overlap. So you know, one of our values at ImageThink is, is being flexible and that's like with our clients and also, you know, Tether's analogy because like you don't know what the wave is going to be. Um, so we've, you know, we've worked in, in, a, in a number of capacities and we're always kind of shifting things around um, on our team to, to try to find like what works best and um, fit, you know, fit with what people are passionate about where they're, they have the need. Yeah. Can you can you tell me about um, how you landed such uh, big clients? You know, a lot of people um, would love to know what you know. What is your frame of mind when you walk into a meeting um, at AOL or Google and and pitch to them? 
Hmm. Um, well, to answer the first part of the question, like how, <laughs> I oftentimes wonder like how, how we got to where we are, but I do know that, um, you know, a lot of it is, is, again, using my analogy of the wave, is like being at the right place at the right time with a lot of experience under your belt and hard work. Um, but there is also an element of serendipity that comes into it. So one of the very first events um, that we did was, um, uh, was, was at a workshop, and one of the people in the workshop was from NASA. So from very early on, we were able to say, well, you know, we, we draw out what people say. It's not rocket scientists. It's not rocket science. Well, you know, it actually, in this case, it is rocket science because we work for NASA. So <laughs> I think once that, that people saw that it was something that could, you know, that this creativity could be applied to um, something like science and business, that gave them, um, it, it built trust and understanding. And um, and today, a lot of the work that we draw upon, like when we go in and we, you know, we, we present or we work with, um, you know, Google or Facebook or some of those, those organizations is that, you know, we really do have a lot of experience under our belt working with um, really 30% of the Fortune 50 companies um, are clients. And we draw upon that experience and we, sh and we share um, the visual strategies that we use with them. Not, not the content, but you know, we've learned from all of these organizations. And actually, we, we took all of those learnings that we've gathered over the past decade and packaged them into a book called Draw Your Big Idea. Um, so that's something, you know, having that book in our back, well, in our backpack, <laughs> um, it, it really gives us the confidence that we need um, knowing that we have this experience and it's packaged in a way that anybody can access it. Um, if you're if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Women to Watch, and I'm I'm speaking with Heather Willems and Nora Herding, founders of ImageThink, um, which has grown into a multi-million dollar business, helping uh, influential companies reinvent the way they reach their goals. Um, let's talk about the the power of the visual. You know, if you can kind of explain a little bit the science behind it, why is there so much power in creating a visual? of an idea for a group of people as opposed to just kind of sitting around a board table and, and talking about it? Yeah, that's a great question. This is Nora. Um, okay. So I, fortunately um, for me, I, I, like, I like to say my sister's a neuroscientist. So uh, I've, I've tasked her with helping me do, you know, do some research into, into why is this like, why is this so effective? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and really, a large part of our brain matter is attributed to processing information visually. So when you're seeing something, or even in MRIs, when you're actually just thinking about, like not even drawing, but thinking about a drawing, both hemisphere, hemispheres of your brain light up. Um, it works, you know, its way from the occipital lobe through all the um, areas of the brain into the prefrontal cortex, which is, they like to call the CEO of the brain. That's where, like, all our higher-level cognitive thinking and our decision-making happens. And so if you can take, if you're wrestling with a problem, if you can figure out some way to break down that problem 
at least partially into visual, you're really going to be using more of your brain uh, to look at it. And it's just, it's so fascinating. And there's so many interesting studies coming out. Um, one is a study that if you doodle, like if we had listeners right now to the show who are listening on the radio, but they're actually just doodling as we're talking, they're going to remember 30% more of what we talked about than people who aren't. Um, I also love to share with people, especially parents who might you know, dissuade their, their students from, or their children from taking art, is kids who had visual art scored 50% higher, or 15 points higher on math and verbal SAT tests than students who didn't have any background in the art. So um, there's a lot of information out there about why this is powerful. I think that also partially is um, people are so inundated with information, right? What we have to digest when we come across like every day is overwhelming. And so at a certain point, I think companies realize this and when they wanted to try to engage employees and they were having trainings or leadership summits, they really want to kind of cut through all the information so they know when people leave that they're going to retain the most important parts of it. And that fortunately corresponded with, you know, the birth of image think. So that there's a, I think it's in the zeitgeist and like understanding that um, we have to figure out ways to make information more digestible and simple to people so that they resonate. Yes, I, I agree. And, you know, as someone who has always been a visual learner, I, I, absolutely understand that. Um, I was curious to know if when you go in and work with clients, if you see a difference between men and women's um, openness, I'll say, to the work that you're doing or the value. Do you, do you see a difference in, in the response and, and the way that they engage with what you're doing between men and women? We're kind of both looking at each other right now and shaking our heads no. Like we, in, in our experience, there hasn't been one gender over another that's really um, been more open or receptive to this work. Hmm. I, I, I assumed there might be just because I think, you know, um, in, in general, we, we talk about men being much more black and white and um, wanting to see uh, the numbers and the facts and women being a little bit more collaborative and um, just working in a different way. So that's that's, that's, that's true. That's true. But men are also, aren't, I mean, at least I feel like, and maybe I'm just uh, perpetuating a terrible stereotype, but that men are, are more visual, right? Like men are more visual in terms of mating, like men are, men are visual creatures. Um, so I think that while you're women, might be uh, less, maybe less linear, more collaborative, um, that there's a, an appeal to men e equally in another capacity. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned your book, Draw Your Big Idea. Uh, do you want to talk about the book for, for a few mm. minutes and, and what uh, people can gain from that? Sure. Um, absolutely. So, well, like I mentioned, we kind of um, – it's draw your big ideas. Draw your big idea is it's a creativity book for turning thoughts into actions, and it's really targeted towards people who have a creative idea for a business that want a step-by-step -step exercise to help them to prepare it for launch. It could be, um, you know, millennials, or it could be someone who's in a job currently that they want to exit and start something else, or 
could be somebody who wants to just turn their hobby into something that's more lucrative. Um, and so I kind of mentioned before, but Nora and I really looked at how we <laughs> would have been nice. We really wished that we had had this book when we started yeah, with this book, <laughs> but um, we wrote it for our past selves. Yes, <laughs> right. But unfortunately, we had to, well, fortunately, unfortunately, we, we had to kind of like uh, make all of the mistakes and do all of the hard learning. And then we had the luxury of looking back at what we had done and started to notice that there were, you know, about 10, 10 different, um, well, there were, there were patterns that were starting to emerge. And we broke it into 10 chapters that you know, address everything from identifying your strengths, your passions, taking it through to marketing, branding, and really some very effective strategy planning exercises that um, will really take you from that idea state through the execution and, and um, get you ready for launch. Right. Um, can you tell yes. me? And, and oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was, um, just to build on it, I was going to say, yeah, and what was great is that we, these were some of the exercises that we've done with clients that we were able to see how you could retool and make it for the individual. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so seeing some of the su success we've had in another arena and kind of, you know, taking it and sharing it with entrepreneurs so they could use some of the same uh, tactics that, you know, that executives at companies are using. Now that's interesting. Um, so w where do you see the future um, of ImageThink? You know, what kinds of um, changes do you um, see coming for the company down the road? As you mentioned, you know, things change so rapidly in business today with technology. Um, are you going to be adding any more additional services to what you already are doing? Ah, we've actually, well, we've been working for the, for the past year, we've been perfecting our digital um, execution. So we do um, digital graphic recording for some of our clients who want something that's more, you know, has a more, that's been born digitally and has more technical base. We also have two of our employees out at um, the Google headquarters today testing out some new um, software for virtual reality. Yeah, we're very curious about. Yeah. So oh, there's, yeah. There's, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with that. I mean, it's it's very exciting to see. We've seen it demoed in a couple couple um, conferences that we've gone to, so we're excited to see how it could be applied in certain circumstances. And then, um, yeah, and then Heather and I had such a great time uh, working on Draw Your Big Idea that um, we have publisher talking about maybe a second book to kind of build, you know, once once you get that idea launched in, in the world, then you have to start thinking about things like operations and employees and, and company culture. Yeah, and scaling. So that, that might be um, on the horizon next. Yeah. Yeah. We, but we, so I think there, one thing that I, you know, these are things that we're kind of curious about. And so I think that what really is a given for the future is that we're always going to be continue we're always going to continue to be innovative and you know inspire one another and be curious about what what lies ahead. Mm. 
Yeah, you know, you, you do. You always have to think about scaling. It was interesting that you mentioned virtual reality. I, I was just out at Villanova University last week and went into what's called the cave, and it is it is their brand new virtual reality studio. Mm-hmm. And so, though you know, the possibilities when you look at that and what you can create and what you can see from a different perspective, it's enormous to me. You know, the opportunities. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, and it, and it's all about you know that visual and and um, uh, art in a, in a different capacity. Um, how yeah. how about one of your proudest professional moments? Can you can you talk about a highlight that you've had? Well, we um, two years ago we relocated uh, one of our employees, James, to San Francisco because. We saw a lot of uh, growth in California happening, and um, our team was getting tired of being on the airplanes all the time. And uh, him and his girlfriend just bought a house in San Francisco um, that they moved into. And so that's actually, I'm tremendously proud that we were able to, um, you know, to be a factor in that happening for both of them. Mm. It was always their dream. Yeah. How big is your team? How many employees do you have? We have 14 people on our team right now. Okay. And how long was it just the two of you before you were able to um, to build a team? Our first employee, Maria, started with us in 2011. So it was three years, but if I um, had had Draw Your Big Idea back then, we probably would have <laughs> hired her <laughs> two years earlier. There is an excellent exercise in here that is specifically for the younger Nora and Heather. And it's a picture of an octopus. And it, it's like, <laughs> what, uh, it's like, would you hire yourself to do all, like, what are you juggling? Would you, if you were interviewing yourself, would you hire yourself for each one of these roles? If the answer is no, get help. right yes well I think that's one of the biggest dreams for any entrepreneur they start out and they're wearing all the hats and and every night they lie awake and think gosh I wish I had someone to take over you know this part of the business and um, I think as long as you you know you know your idea is a good one it it eventually happens yes I think so in my experience people do it way later than they should yeah, well, yeah. it's always a matter of, of, of money, right? Um, by the way, if someone's listening and, and um, you know, we have a lot of uh, C-suite people and, and entrepreneurs that listen to the show and they're interested mm-hmm. in your services, can you talk just briefly about, you know, the the basics, the cost and, and how, uh, you know, how things go step by step? Um, sure. So this is Nora. Uh, so... You, um, you can contact us on our, our website, imagethink.net. Um, generally, the way it works is, you know, we first really see ourselves as a partner, and so we ask people, you know, what are your objectives for this meeting? What is at stake for your company if this goes well or if it doesn't go well? And then from there, we figure out, you know, what kind of level of support you need. Um, sometimes that will help come up with exercises, um, that'll help facilitate, you know, lots of people want to have a lot of innovation, but they don't really know exactly what they need to do to, to get the genius out of the people in the room. Mm-hmm. So we'll, um, we'll consult with you on that. 
and then um, the, you know, send the right team to support the session. Um, and then afterwards, as Heather mentioned, you'll also get the, the digital assets moving forward. Um, and we'll talk to you about the best way to use those as well. Um, and yeah, and, and engagement with us, it, it depends, like it, de it depends on the objective and sort of the size of it, but you know, anywhere from like $4,000 to $10,000 is usually a, a good a good place to start. Mm -hmm. And I think one other thing that um, that is that sets us apart or that is unique to our to working with ImageLink is that when you work with us, you have a dedicated account manager that works with you from the initial onset, the very first call, all the way through the execution of the entire event. Um, so our goal really is not, it, our goal is really to like help to communicate ideas easily, effectively, and with great clarity. And, you know, that starts with our partnership and engagement from the beginning. We want this to be easy, you know, for our clients to gain great success. Yeah, and I would imagine, you know, people are aware of your work. You, you you know, you have such a wonderful reputation out there now, and as you said, people know that they need some help, but they don't know exactly <laughs> what that is. So, um, listen, I, I, we're at the end of the show. I thank you so much for joining us again, Heather Heather Willems and Nora Herding, founders of ImageThink. Um, I encourage you to check out their business and their work, and I thank you for joining us today. Thank, thank you so much. much. Good luck to you at Continued success. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. It was thank a lot you, of fun. Susan. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Be sure to check out our website at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. Have a great week, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.